Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by assholeconsulting.com. Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Welcome to the Cursory Podcast. Um, I get to talk in my quiet NPR voice again. The girlfriend liked it when I did that the last time. I was over in Scottsdale, and I had to be quiet because across the huge living room, uh, was the uh, couple and their kids who were kind enough to let me stay with them, and so I had to talk in the NPR voice. Today on NPR, subtle racism towards white people. Is it acceptable? We think so. Tune in next time with Garrison Keeler. So uh, we're still in the um, still in the RV, still in the RV, and uh, the the people came back. I was over tucked in my little southern end of the RV here. RV Park, kind of by myself, could be loud, could could uh, enunciate, and then all of a sudden, I, oh, there's the old people. They came back. They came back. Her, Gertrude and, and Herbert, they came back. I don't know where they went. They haven't been here for the past week or so. And the other people off to my right, they've never been around. That, that uh, RV has sat un, untouched, collecting dust. Nobody's around. So now I figure, ah, I better be. That better be nice. The other, the loud ones that come back at 3 a.m. They, it's not even 3 a.m. They come back though all around that time. Never seen these people. I just hear them. It's kind of weird. But um, oh, I got to let. I'm gonna explain pickles. Let me explain pickles to you. We're not doing a segue. Because uh, pickles are meant to be crunchy. All right. I got hungry. I was I was like in a little little snag. I go to Walmart because I had to get envelopes. The, just follow me. This is how my life goes. So I want to try the uh, these two casinos, the Plaza and the California, over in downtown Fremont Street, Las Vegas. So I drive out there, and it turns out now that all the casinos are going to be starting to charge. At least half of them did. Those did. They say, "Oh, you can, you got to pay." But we'll validate. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you, Vegas idiots, you morons, you. And, and this is where greed comes in because now it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the ass. It started with MGM, then they spread it to their other properties. And now a couple other casinos are starting to jump on board, just like the uh, the resort fees, the 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 extra screw you over fees. Now they're going to make people pay for a park. I don't do it. I did, that, that's one of the reasons I was looking to move out to Vegas and gamble. I was in the mood to give this this casino about a hundred bucks of my money. I wouldn't care if I won or lost it. I, I just wanted to gamble a little bit, check out these two hotels on the historic strip that uh, I hadn't been in yet. Uh, coincidentally, I've never been in them. And uh, sure enough, I exit on um, whatever the exit before Las Vegas Boulevard is, and I, I and I liked it because it was all right turns, hang a right, hang a right, and I could even see from the highway the parking ramp I was going to get. And I like that; that makes things very easy. If ever, if if in all the life was right turns, it'd be a much easier life. So turn, turn, and turn, and oh, you got to pay to park. I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to Binion's, and Binion's like, oh, oh, it's free. Oh, wait, lots full. 
Now, guess who's making the money? Just I'm just pointing that out. Guess who's making the money on the gambling? So I said, forget. I'm I'm not gonna go. I I it really it, it's not worth my time. If I got to park and I got to I got to pay to park, I deal with tickets. You know, here's the thing. You know, and there's a there's the attendant, and everyone's got to stop to pay him. It just slows. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I came here to gamble. If you don't want to take my money, that's fine. You're gonna make it difficult for me to give you my money. Uh, you you could take somebody else. and and they will. The the sheep will line up. The sheep will line up all the time. If you haven't been to Fremont Street, go there just to see sheep. Just to see the average American go to Fremont Street, and you'll see. Oh, are we screwed? It's a curse for you, by the way. So I'm the okay. Well, it's Vegas. I, I don't want to go to any more restaurants. I've been trying restaurants every, every. I got and I got a backup of food. I said I want to go to Walmart. I need to get envelopes. I need to get some oatmeal. I need to get um, some soda water. And so what ends up happening is you always go to Walmart. You end up getting more. Oh, I need some of this. Oh, I need some of that. Yes, I do need some bleach. Holy cow, they have it here. Let's go to... So it's pretty late. I'm walking in. Me and maybe two other people are in the entire store. And so um, I got the envelopes. Oh, pickles. I haven't had pickles. And pickles, they don't have cholesterol or calories or anything, really. Um, no no carbs. And they got the bold and spice. Now, the thing with pickles, though, I like pickles. But if you're an American, if if you're heaven-bound and you're not going to hell, you know the pickles have to be crunchy. And what will happen is you will open the jar of pickles. And not only are they warm, because they're non-perishable, they sit there on the shelf, they don't have to be chilled. Not only are they lukewarm pickles, but they are not crispy or crunchy. They are somewhat soft. Uh, it's like decaying chewing gum that once you bite into it, it's kind of got the consistency of chewing gum, but it decays in your mouth. And it's not good. Now, I don't know. I swear to God, though, and one of you will tell me this. They have got to put a chemical in there that when you pop the the lid, it aerates or something, and then the pickles get crunchy. First thing I did, even before I fired up the old truck, pop the lid, put it back on, put it in the bag, got to the RV, put it in the freezer, let it sit for 15 minutes, boom, crunchy pickles. And it's small things like you, you, you're all laughing at me now. You're all rolling your eyes. You gotta be kidding me. Is time? No, I'm telling you. It, every once in a while, you look for a treat, and treats are becoming fewer and fewer, at least when it comes to the diet over here. So I, I, I want to have my crunchy pickle. And many of you right now who are crunchy pickle believers, you, you insist on that. You're saying, oh gosh, yeah, I hate that. So I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's some kind of scientific reason. If if you eat them right after you open them, they are not crunchy. They're all slimy and 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 rubbery, and they just they're not that good. But you pop that thing first. The first thing you should do when you go grocery shopping, even before you fire up your car engine to go back home, you pop the lid on all the pickles. You put the lids back on. You throw them all in the freezer. Fifteen minutes, you got yourself crunchy pickles. It's a little bit of an effort. It takes a little bit of forethought and sight. But it's it's uh, avoiding, well, you know, it's annoying. It's not it's not life ending. But there's just a couple things: lukewarm water, non crunchy pickles. Girl that doesn't shave down there. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, these few things we look forward to in life just getting totally screwed up because of some some small technicality. Yeah. 
It is a Clary podcast. I'm doing this in stages. It's late night now, which means I have to do them all late night or act like it's late night to keep my NPR voice. Uh, and it, it's just been honest. I think I'm done with Vegas. If you don't have people around with you, Vegas is a boring town. Matt Baldoni, the great Matt Baldoni is performing as always, and he goes to bed early because he's a, he's a good disciplinarian. Or not disciplinarian. That means he punishes people. What is What would you call him? He disciplines himself. He's a very disciplined man. Uh, Major Ben, I guess he's he's getting laid left and right. He's got uh, girl action. And then he goes to bed uh, early. I don't know what what happened to these guys. <laughs> and then my pilot buddy, it, it's just like, okay, I guess I'll just spearhead Vegas all by myself. And it, it ain't fun without other people. Uh, when the, when uh, the GF, all of her, her co-workers came out, the, the whole company flew out you know, for the Christmas celebration, for the Christmas party, but people don't have it on Christmas anymore. They have it on non-Christmas. I wish I could be like those people, the, the people that never see Vegas or they rarely get out, and it's all new and it's always novel. It's always different. It's like being let out of prison, you know, like because they've been in prison. That's what they're. That's what they're like. Not just this particular company or these particular employees, but most people. They, oh my God, Vegas is going crazy. I'm like, wow. I wish I could be. I wish I could have that that novelty back again. I wish I could. I could have that wonder or or the excitement of the unknown. It's like you do know it's just a casino. Hanging out Videra or was it Cosmopolitan? One of those. All these girls dressing up like I'm going to go out in their party suits. Didn't see that many guys dressed up then. I'm wondering if girls are just going and guys like, forget it, I can't afford the cover. I can't afford the cover, it's too loud, they're learning. The manosphere is spreading, the red pill is spreading, and the only people that go to these parties are, are women now. Uh, but you wonder, like, uh, did you not under... I could see where women... I get it. I get it why women would go to a, a nightclub because they get the show off. That's the thing. But more importantly, they don't have to pay for anything. They get free drinks or they get heavily discounted drinks and sometimes they get in for free. I, I understand that. But even that's got to get tiring after a while. I'd imagine... You being, don't, don't you get tired of it? At least the smart girls. I know they do. I wasn't a smart enough guy to stay out of the nightclub i well i actually kind of enjoyed first avenue that was more of a dance rave so that's a little bit different but the boom chicka boom nightclubs oh my god same thing oh you're gonna are you gonna do craps huh are you gonna get loud and drunk and do craps holy crap you're doing craps hey you gonna play some blackjack awesome yeah doesn't change, even yeah. Oh, you're gonna go to the bar. You gotta stay up till three a.m. and drink. Awesome! Hey, you're all hungover. Here's the shuttle ride back to the airport. Get your asses on it. I should take away people's fun. I, I just, it's just an observation I have. Where I'll warn you about this life, guys. I'll warn you about it. I've written about it before. Very few men, very few women have gone to these extents and lengths. The economy, advances in technology and growth, and not to mention some uh, evil uh, white male forefathers, founding fathers, they've given us a lot. And the vast majority of the human experience, going back two million years, has not been one of such luxury and ease in life. The brain is, the, in other words, our economy and our technology is advancing faster than our brains can adapt. And if you play your cards, quote, right, and you don't have kids, and you don't have up, 
and you don't take on debts, and you become self-employed, just as a warning to you guys, because I know a lot of you guys are on that track, a lot of you guys are out there, you're, you're aiming for this, is what the cubicle slaves take as a rarity, what the what the wage mules, the wage slaves, take as super excitement is just going to be everyday common stuff for you. And you're going to miss it. Because it's kind of like getting out of prison. It really is. It is like getting out of prison. Because school and cubicle farms are pretty much that. Oh, you're free to go home. It's like work release. You're free to go to work. You're free to go home. But you're going to come back here. And you're going to sit in your cubicle and you're going to do mind-numbing crap. And you're going to have your life wasted away. So then they come out to Vegas. Oh, Vegas! 55-year-old man. Vegas! It's like, you've been here before. Vegas! You've played craps before. Vegas! Oh, that's right. You only get out here once a decade. All right, all right. You kids go have fun. You'll go, you go do your drinky drink and your party part. I'm going to go and hike this canyon. I got to see petroglyphs. Did you guys see that picture? Those pictures I put over on my blog? If you follow it, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Uh, there's, a, there's a canyon. I won't mention. I won't mention where it is. And the reason I'm not going to mention where it is is because um, petroglyphs and archaeology and ancient things, really cool stuff, I, I respect that. And I'm I'm no big environmentalist or conservationist. Well, actually, I am quite a con, but, but that's only because I'm cheap and I don't expend that much money and therefore not that much energy. Therefore, my carbon footprint is a lot smaller than most of the Greenpeace members. Anyway, um, there's a hike out in Vegas somewhere where there's these ancient Indian carvings and petroglyphs. That's what they're called. They're called petroglyphs. And I'm like, oh, I, those are kind of cool. Those are real neat. They're kind of like, uh, they go hand in hand with the adobe dwellings from the Utah Indians, uh, which were here many, many years ago before Christopher Columbus, pre-colonial America. <clears throat> so they're, they're just really neat. And you once you, if you don't know what they are, once you go to my website, you take a look and say, oh, that's what those things are. And they're just cool because then you're looking like, wow, humans were here however many thousand years ago. And somebody decided to chisel this lizard onto this rock or chiseled that curly cue and, and, and made these patterns. And you wonder what they were thinking. Your mind kind of wanders. And like, boy, I, I, once again, I wish, I wish the Native Americans, using that term correctly, not politically correctly, I wish the Native Americans, the pre-Columbian Americans, uh, had a written language and would have written some stuff down so we'd have history. But you know, we got petroglyphs and we got... Stories told, oh, Natawakahatane came down from the from the mountain with the great eagle spirits. Like, dude, I just really wish you would have written down what the hell happened. That would have been really cool. I, I, we don't really need the metaphors and the stories and everything's been lost at playing the telephone game for eons. But anyway, so uh, I do respect ancient things, archaeology, fossils, paleontology. And I just I really I really don't like seeing garbage. I really don't see like seeing litter on trails. I don't like it when people leave soda cans or hiking gear, you know, or a pair of shoes, anything. You you'd be amazed what oh these environmentalist outdoorsy type people who are one with they leave a bunch of crap behind. So all I do is, uh, I, if I leave something behind, it's nothing different than what a bear in the woods would leave behind. 
So it said on the internet when I was looking for a hike, it says there's petroglyphs in this area, but they don't advertise it because people have been known to start graffitiing over the petroglyphs or writing or making their own petroglyphs like Steve was here. You know, those same guys, oh, craps, Vegas, carve over next to petroglyph. I mean, that's, that's although they'd be too drunk to make it that far into the hike anyway. So I'm, I'm not telling people where it is. I, I hate to, uh, on one hand, I hate it like, for example, Devil's Tower. Um, you used to be able to walk up and touch it, and then the uh, whiny crybaby Indians, because there's other Indians that aren't whiny crybaby Indians, but the, these are the whiny crybaby Indians, the ones that are protesting the pipeline that go, goes nowhere near <clears throat> their water reservoir. Anyway, you can't go up and touch Devil's Tower anymore. And there wasn't really much of anything you could do with Devil's Tower. You just look at it, and if you had gear, you could maybe climb it. So I don't like it where it's like, oh, well, we're just, and all it is, it's just a shit, a shit test. That's because that's what it is. It's the Indians seeing like, okay, can we get Whitey to bend over a little bit more? Oh, look how, look at this. They did that. If Trump would really be cool with national parks, he'd do two things, three things. One, he'd finalize once and for all, you could carry guns in the national park. Two, let dogs back into the park. And three, say, no, we can go and take a look at Devil's Tower. All that being said, on the other side, um, the defacing of ancient relics and leaving your crap in your garbage on these nation's trails and national parks, that pisses me off. Uh, it It's not to the same level, but it's kind of the same ultimate douche move where the Taliban and Al-Qaeda or whoever are blowing up ancient temples, either like Shia or Shiite, uh, or uh, was it the Buddhist temples? Or, you know, you're not that particular sect or religion, therefore we must blow up this what 1,200 year old statue. We must oh Boko uh, Boko Haram is that them? The assholes in Africa um, burning ancient libraries to, to ancient texts. Uh, now that of course is is psychotic and evil and and. Um, an extreme form of this, but why Why would you... I don't understand. Like, you could completely disagree. You could be genuinely bigoted against American Indians. You could be total. You could hate their guts for whatever irrational reason. But I still don't see the logic in why would you ruin something that, one, they didn't make because it was their ancestors from 1,400 years ago. Why would you ruin something uh, as timeless... And pretty, but just something as historical and and ancient as that that has survived all these years. Why would you? Why would you deface that? Or why would you even lessen it? Chiseling your own stupid. Steve was here, class of '64. Saw a couple of those. So no, I'm not telling you where it was. I just had some really nice pictures. I enjoyed looking at them. Had the whole park to myself. Nobody knows. It's pretty far away from Las Vegas. Not a lot of tourists are out there. Um, but it was just, oh, it was a wonderful hike, wonderful hike. Uh, when I have some friends coming out to Vegas, I think I'm going to take them on that hike because we tried to do, <laughs> poor Chris Beckloff. We, well, we did, we all did. We didn't try. We all succeeded in doing Angel's Landing, but that proved to be a little, um, challenging, uh, to some people. So, uh, this one's a little bit more flat. People get to see petroglyphs, um, you know, I, it's pretty cool, and how many people 
what's sad, okay, getting back to what I was talking about before, the novelty, the you know, like, eh, it's Vegas, it's, no, I've been here a million times, it's nothing new. But to show you how novelty will wear off, how many of you have actually seen a petroglyph? How many of you touched one? You're not supposed to touch them, by the way. Oh, my God, the oils. That's where I draw the line. Like, I'm touching this petroglyph. I don't care. I don't touch the actual design. I touch the rock because I'm, well, you're leaning against it. you got to crawl up to it. But I've seen so many of them. There's way more than you think. So in Adobe huts, all you have to do is go hike through Canyon of the Ancients outside of Cortez, New Mexico. I'm sorry, Colorado. And you'll, you'll see a ton of these ancient adobe dwellings. And the first one's like, oh, my God, how ancient, how long ago your mind starts to wonder. Oh, wow, you know, you start to think about life and history and evolution and, and, and migration patterns and human history and all this other stuff. And then by the 50th Adobe doing, like, boy, there's sure where a lot of these bastards from wasn't there. It wasn't like good old Christopher Columbus came up and there was only six of them. I mean, there, there were several million around here because this is like, well... You assume two people a hut, and all of a sudden this valley has about 300 people in here. So, uh, but, and then, uh, you know, one adobe hut looks like the other, one petroglyph looks like the next, and so you're kind of like, eh, it's a petroglyph. It's still kind of cool, but it's not like the first one. Like, when I found my first fossil, oh, you thought I was Indiana Jones. I was so excited. I still have it, and it's just a piece of crap, lousy fossil. It's, it's, it's a crustacean it's common it's in poor shape you could tell it's a fossil but it's nothing fancy but the um but the, i still keep it because it was my first fossil same thing with fairburn agates you know like you find your first one is this crappy little dinky thing barely can see it but you keep that one because that's the one you've always that, that that's what gave you the memory that's where you got the most excitement and now truthfully if i'm going to hunt fairburn agates i'm just going to go to the to the rock shop that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the rock shop where all these old-timer rock hound dudes have their collections and their kids don't realize what they got. And I'm going to buy them out of that. That's, sadly, that's where the arbitrage is. But it's not as fun. Not as fun as going out there. Not as fun as going out and adventuring and exploring. So. All right, well, let's do some sponsors. Okay, the, uh, the sponsors, if you couldn't tell from the change in the audio... The sponsors are going to have to be done from memory because in between the last time I hit the pause button and now, my buddy and I were doing some math. This is going to be a long story, so why don't you just get yourselves comfortable. Uh, Once again, this podcast is going to be to the benefit of me because in that brief flash of time, I went from Vegas and now I'm in some freaking town in Texas. And so let me tell you the fun and exciting story of how I ended up here. Uh, I'm in my buddy's RV, and as you know, he, he has the air division. He also has a ground division, which includes this RV. And I, this is the RV I drove. If any of you remember, I drove it out to Vegas six, seven months ago. Maybe it was a year ago. Time really does fly. So um, he wants the thing back in Florida, and out of kindness for letting me stay in the RV all this time, I said, well, look, I'll drive it to Florida as a favor to you. Now, I was going to drive it. After everybody was done, we are going to have a big party on the 25th in Vegas. And then uh, everyone would show up, and then everyone would go home. And then what I would do is then I would drive the RV to Vegas. But I'm thinking, like, I am I'm bored. <laughs> 
I was bored in Vegas and there was still like four or five days before uh, uh, anything or anybody was coming to town. Everybody, like I mentioned before, everybody is... Uh, oh, what the hell is that? Oh, there's always something wrong with this RV. So there was uh, going to be nobody showing up for quite some time. It's just going to be boring. And I'm like, like Sherlock Holmes, just bored. Bored! And I'm like, I, I can't. I say, you know what? I got plenty of time. Why don't I just grab the RV and drive out there now? Fly me back. I'll be back before anybody shows up for the party. Bada boom, bada bing. Save myself two days, three days, four days of time. And then I can go straight back home with my putt-putt truck. Last person of the party leaves, wake up, check out of the hotel, boom! Throw everything into my putt-putt truck and I'm off to the races. So my buddy's like, you better hop to it. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you gotta get there and back by Tuesday. I'm like, it's Thursday, I got plenty of time. He's like, no, it's Friday night. I'm like, what? And sure enough, it was Friday, I'm like, oh. And then the debate, then he hurts my feelings. He hurts my feelings. He's like, I don't think you can make it. And then that right there is like, okay, all right, now now I have to prove to you that I can make it. It hurts my feelings because this guy has known me for over a decade. He, she's one of, one of my best friends. He should know that there's anyone in the country that can make it driving across the country from Vegas to Tampa, Florida. In two days, it's Aaron Clary. Right now, DT is saying, "Little old Jack Burton." Actually, it kind of feels like that right now. I do feel like uh, Jack Burton in big trouble in Little China. I'm driving this RV in Texas, and I'm talking to myself. And so I say, "You just watch." So we were, we were like, you know, the Lone Ranger music plays. Friend, 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 and I'm like packing, and then the logistics was in. I'm like, okay, I can't carry the guns. The guns got to stay here. You take the guns. Well, I don't want to keep the well, I can't carry the guns on the plane. And so I managed the, the lightest I have ever packed. The lightest I have ever packed. I got my laptop case, and that's it. I got running shoes. I have running one pair of shorts, two pairs of socks, two extra undies, one extra shirt, one sweatshirt. All my toiletries fit into the other compartment. Wires and laptop and microphone. It all fits into the laptop. And that's all I need. That's all I need. And so uh, I left. I left at about 11 p.m. Vegas time. Ended up crashing at a wayside in... uh, What the hell was it? Just outside of Galp, New Mexico. Uh, I won't go into the problems. You're going to find out about the problems of the RV, especially with the wind and the wind shear. You can hear it outside. The audio is going to be somewhat poor on this one. Anyway, so I crashed there and then this morning woke up after five hours sleep and uh, right back into the, it's a big country. I forget how big it is. And I'm not even into the middle of Texas. I just got an Armarillo. Now I'm on Highway 287 heading down to Fort Worth. And uh, now it's kind of like, okay, I got I to gotta do the podcast in anticipation of, you know, it, it's the weekend, we got to get it done. And so now it's, we're going to do another Cruising with Clary podcast here. So the, the sponsors, if I can remember them, 
Pushing Rubber Downhill with Adam Piggott, the book, the podcast, and his other uh, book, Run Guts Pull Cones. Go ahead, check him out. Two new sponsors, not really sponsors, but two uh, YouTubers I strongly recommend you you check out. The Real Mark Baxter, he's on SoundCloud. Uh, And he had uh, Ed Lattimore and Roel Tomasi on his podcast. He's relatively new, but obviously he has a lot of hits because he these guys link to him that, that he interviews. But he does a good, he does a damn good interview. I had a really good conversation with Ed and um, Rolo. And so, if you'd kindly go check out the Mark, the real Mark Baxter, spelled like it sounds, B A X T E R. I can find that on SoundCloud. But then there's O'Shea Jackson. I've been binging on him. He helped me get through from Vegas all the way to uh, pretty much across Arizona. Got to Gallup, New Mexico. I think think I had to switch to the English History Podcast. Ran out of O'Shea Jackson. Like all millennials, like all young dipshits, he thinks that having a YouTube channel is a podcast. You know, that Chris Beckloff guy, who's probably podcasting right now as we speak. Um, but uh, he, he's got a YouTube channel, and... Understand. This is all. This is all I have to say about. It. This is all I have to say about it. Black guy from Sacramento, California, who moved to Poland to become a doctor. All right. That that's all you need to know. Uh, he runs a site called Negro Manosphere. Uh, he had reached out to me earlier before. I'm like, yeah, let me know. You know, when you get a little bit established. And boy, howdy, did he get established? He's got a huge following already. More followers and subscribers than I have. On YouTube, uh, he has his, his site, uh, and the guy still pulls this off while studying to become a doctor. And man, just to see the insights, it has a manosphere spin, obviously from the perspective of a black man. Uh, but just the fact this this guy is in Poland becoming a doctor, you're not. It, it's just just tune into a couple of, especially if you're black. If you're a black man, tune in. If you're a black woman, don't tune in. You're going to be very pissed off because he tells the truth. And uh, you'll you'll get you'll gain not just insights into Poland, or what it's like to be the one of three black men in Poland. But if you ever wonder, like, oh, is that what it's like dating black chicks? Uh, no. <laughs> so we have those two guys. Um, also in the League of Extraordinary Podcasters, we have Silvio Canto Canto's talk. Uh, BlowMeUpTom.com. That's Tom Likas' show. Uh, Pushing rubber downhill. Uh, Cynical Libertarian Society, look that up. A little harsh, a little bit more on the racial side. I wouldn't say racist, but a little redlining for me. But he had a really good podcast. Uh, His latest one's really good. Who else is on that list? The World of Lori Zook. I got to call her. I got to make sure she's doing all right. She had a little bit of health problems. And um, I feel horrible because I, I, I enjoy your company and I, I, I have it on my to-do list to email her and check in with her and see how she's doing. So hopefully she's doing all right. But the world of Lori Zook, check her out. Financial Survival Network, our other friend from Florida, Kerry Lutz, check him out, financialsurvivalnetwork.com. And who else is on that list? Oh, the Black Brigade Debrief, blackbrigade.org. And then... Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. That's all I can really remember for the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. Academiccomposition.com. If you guys want to have someone else write your homework, because, well, it only makes sense. It's for outsourcing. Why would you 
why would you do your pointless homework that is just made up make work homework to make you fork over more money guaranteed when you borrow it from the taxpayer uh, go to academiccomposition.com and have Alex's crackpot team of writing staff write your papers for you also you can work for Alex uh, contact Alex at academiccomposition.com and uh, he's always looking for writers and marketers the, the pay is not great the job is not exciting but it can be done from a laptop so if you're in a cheap second world country and you have good internet access good old O'Shea might even consider this one uh, go to academiccomposition.com and let Alex know that I sent you Frank Servi's book uh, books rather I should say were Pretty Lies Perish Burning the Midnight and Uncle Nick Uncle Nick uh, and Burning the Midnight are uh, sequel books uh, Uncle Nick is the first one Burning the Midnight is the sequel to that following the adventures of Uncle Nick a misogynist, misanthropic, racist, bimenic, literally a Nazi. Literally Hitler. Uh, guy, if you want to read a fictional book about a literal Hitler that makes all the leftists and the, the SJWs spurg out, uh, go ahead and read those books. Um, oh, Instagram.com slash Ultimate Reading List. If you are looking to advertise your wares, it doesn't have to be books anymore. It can be anything. Contact Max. You can go and check out a site, Instagram.com slash Ultimate Reading List. And you can email Max at Max at Wooter, W-O-O-T-E-R, dot co. Not dot com, dot co. That's Max dot, oh, I'm sorry, at Wooter dot co. Oh, who else? Come on, Cappy, think. This is the drawback of doing it from the, there's my books, go buy them. Paperback Kindle audiobooks. Audiobooks have been taken off. Boy, did I pick that one right. Again, a lesson that, that oh, you could, get, you could get your 2% on an S&P 500 index fund. Ooh, ooh, a dividend yield fund, it, it, it pays 4%. Ooh, ooh. Or you could just invest in entrepreneurship and get yourself a 60 or 100% rate of return. I'm just saying... Boy, the day these people wake up and realize tulip bulbs have no intrinsic value beyond being a tulip bulb, as especially as it pertains to the retirement in the stock market, with your dividend yields around two percent, that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. Um, oh, and related to that, speaking of, as I just slam on the stock market, if you literally have nothing better to do with your money, uh, go and you, it's real like you have nothing else to do. It's like okay, I guess I'll get a, an IRA. Uh, go through my Betterment affiliate program. You go to my site, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Click on the Betterment ab- uh, banner. I think it's on the left or the right. You'll, you'll see it. It's kind of a bluish square. And um, is this a two-lane road or a one-lane road? Oh, okay. It's a two- Why isn't this guy passing me up? Um, anyway, so uh, if you're looking to invest and you don't want to pay financial advisors and basically you just like want to get some exposure to the stock market, you get you want the tax deduction for the IRA, uh, go through Betterment. Betterment is a robo-advisor. Uh, that means they have very few people. Everything's automated. It's an algorithm. You plug in your variables and your age of expected retirement and your age of expected death and how much you need per year to live and all that other stuff. You plug it into their formulas which is what the financial advisor would be doing anyway. Um, and then uh, you do that. It's like it's like self-checkout. Betterment is like the self-checkout aisle 
for the financial planning. And if you're a bachelor like me, and you don't want to be slowed down, and you want to bag your own freaking groceries, and you want to pay for it yourself, uh, bag your own groceries. Go with the your self-checkout financial advisor. That's Betterment. Uh, go to my site. Don't go to Betterment.com. Then I don't make no cash. Go to my site, CaptainCapitalism.com. Look for the Betterment ad. Click on that, and then go ahead and set it up. And uh, because they invest in index funds, I even got an email from one of their... Their VPs or assistant VPs had a question, and he says, yeah, send me a question. I'm like, cool, and he answered it. I just want to make sure I knew exactly what was going on, and I did, but just want to make sure I'm thorough. So basically, uh, they only invest in index funds, which means you're going to be 80 to 85% of the investment professionals, which means they don't have mutual fund managers. And since they don't have financial advisors, it's just a program. Uh, they have uh, very low managerial fees, the lowest that's going to, you're ever going to find. So if you're looking to set up an IRA or a Roth IRA, uh, go check it out, man. It's uh, One of these days when I pay off my house and I buy enough silver and I buy enough guns, even I might invest in Betterment. So, Oh, but that's what I was going to say, uh, how we got onto this topic, is entrepreneurship. I think that is really the future of retirement because you get so much higher rates of return related to my audio books. All the books are available in audio. I think they're the largest or most popular selling media format of my books. And we have books for you. If you're new to the podcast, uh, guys and gals, have we got um, some great stuff for you. We have Curse of the High IQ. That's for people who are really smart and they had troubles in life dealing with the normies. So if you were a nerd or you fell asleep in school, you hated your teachers, or you just never understood why people are so freaking slow... Get Curse of the High IQ. That's for you guys. Uh, the Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. That's for any young or old black gentlemen who want to uh, improve their life. The subtitle says it all for black men who demand better. So when you're sick and tired of being told it's whitey and oh, woe is you and you can't do anything and it's only the Democrats and only caring white women who come from trust fund babies like Nancy Pelosi that can make your life better and you're just completely helpless because you're just a poor black man. When you're sick and tired of that bullshit... And you wanna, you're gonna, you're gonna say no. I get this one shot in life, and I'm gonna demand better. Get that book. There you go. That's the way to do it. Written by a white guy, to be extra, extra insulting, to piss off and spurg out the, uh, the, uh, the social justice warriors. What town am I in? Man, these Texas towns are sleepy. I'll give Minnesota and Wisconsin at least, and the Dakotas a little bit of a of a hat tip, at least their bars, they put them on the main drag and they're open. This stretch between Amarillo, Texas and Fort Worth, um, I've gone, this is like the seventh or eighth small town and on this almost 300 mile stretch of land, I mean, look at this, the Dairy Queen is open. The Dairy Queen and the gas station is open, but none of the bars are open. At least, you know, are we in the Bible Belt? Is it a dry county? Anyway. Um, so, uh, we have a black man's got out of poverty, uh, bachelor pad economics. That's for every young man out there. Uh, worthless. That's for everybody who has gone to, is about to go to, is reconsidering returning to college. Uh, that is, that is a benefit to have. That would have saved just like the housing crisis, the housing book I wrote before the housing bubble happened, warning there was a housing bubble coming. Yeah. Uh, and if people just listened to me, we would have avoided $2 trillion bubbles. Are you are you the greatest economist ever? Yes, yes I am. I really am. 
Never mind other economists who've said the same thing, like Schiff or Rubin here, these guys. just No, it's just me. It's just me, because I wrote a book. Not like Peter Schiff didn't write several. So we got that there. Um, what else? Reconnaissance, man. Holy cow, did I do reconnaissance here? Did a couple stretches of uh, the U.S. interstate system I've never done before. Um, so that's kind of kind of cool. But uh, if you are a young person or you're just lost in life and you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, I keep getting clients like this, go and get the book Reconnaissance Man. Uh, this could be whether you're 14 or 15 you don't know what you want to do for college. This could be uh, you're in college or you're about to graduate from college and you don't know what to do where to go, please get this book. It is a logical method. It is a process. It is a philosophy that handholds you through a a logical questioning of your own desires, wants, and needs, and, and I wouldn't say virtues, but dreams. And it translates that into an actionable plan. It's. I know it sounds life coachy. It's not. This is more economics. Trust you me, it's really economics. And if I had just read that book when I was younger, I'd be a decade younger and just as far ahead as I am today. So uh, please go ahead and consider getting that book. And what else we got? Enjoy the decline, living with the collapse of the United States. And I got a new book coming out. It's not going to be a book. It, uh, okay, it's not a book. Let me. This is in between a treatise and a pamphlet. I've always wanted... It's an essay. That's what it's going to be. I've always been wanting to write essays. Reconnaissance Man started out as an essay, but then it became a a small book. This is going to be an essay. It's going to be cheap. It's not going to be anything expensive. But the thoughts in there are going to be revolutionary for the retirement industry. All I'm doing is tweaking one thing. I'm just tweaking one thing. I'm going to keep it... You know, the, the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. And um, so it's not going to be... Uh, and a lot of you are not going to benefit from it if you've already read Bachelor Pad Economics. If you know other humans are the most important thing in your life. Uh, and and you've incorporated it. It's one thing to know it. But you also have to incorporate that because if you do, then a whole bunch of other good behaviors cascade from that, which makes this retirement plan I have in mind possible. So if you're not there yet, like you, you know, you consciously know... Yeah, people are the most important thing. But you don't feel that in your heart. You don't live that every day. I, and I really hate to sound like a pastor. I really sound like a pastor right now. But this is, I'm being serious. Um, then this this treaty, this essay will be for you. And I'm going to keep it on the cheap end because there's no reason to make it expensive. It's going to be short. It's got to be less than 20 pages. I don't think it's going to be more than 20 or 30 pages. Um, so that that's coming, I don't know, by the end of March... We'll figure it out. I could probably bang it out in a day or two. Uh, I just have been procrastinating and been working on this working out thing. This workout, honestly, this workout diet, run, lift weights, it's about an eight-hour-a-week job. It really it really is that. Uh, what else? We got assholeconsulting.com. If you got questions, I got answers as long as you got money. Go to the world's only professional asshole, the dark knight of advice columns, the IKEA of consultants, assholeconsulting.com. Uh, and I will tell you the truth. That's that's, and you're going to pay me because you you can. People will pay you to listen to their lies because you're going to give them more of your money later. Oh, I need grills. I need Air Jordans. 
Oh, I need to become a, a lawyer. I need to go to grad school. Oh, big is beautiful. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you all the lies as long as you give them money and vote for them. But if you give me money up front just a little bit, I'm going to tell you a couple truths that'll make your life a lot better. So you go to assholeconsulting.com and recommend it to a friend. Ba ba ba. You got that. You can follow me on my social media, Twitter and gab.ai. I'm also on minds.com. I'm trying to recreate the sponsor list in my head. We always start with Adam Pickett. I did the two new guys. I did Cynical Libertarian, who I might go visit again over in Colorado. Um, gosh, we got my two online classes, the Analysis Evaluation of Stocks and Stocks, Bonds, Investing, Hawaii. If you want to look those up on the internet, you can take them anywhere. Just search the titles. Uh, take it wherever it's cheapest because it's online. It's offered hundreds of different places, so uh, wherever it's cheapest is best for you. If you want me to make more money, take wherever it's most expensive. Or how about this? Let's let's let us maximize utility. Let's do what all economists do. Take it where it's cheapest, then take the money you'd save and do all your online shopping through the Captain's Amazon affiliate program. How does that sound? If you don't like donating to charity, which I understand because I don't, uh, all you have to do, and this is for pretty much anybody out there, I think most of your... Uh, advertisers, or not advertisers, bloggers, podcasters, YouTubers, be it Chris Beckloff, Chris Muir at daybydaycartoon.com, um, all these guys, they have Amazon affiliate plans, uh, Free Domain Radio, Stephen Molyneux, and uh, all you have to do is click on their banner, their, their, their Amazon affiliate link. It'll have an Amazon banner, just like my site. Do it now if you go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com, look to the top right, You'll see uh, the Amazon banner there. And if you click on that image, it'll take you to Amazon. If you look at the URL, you'll notice it just doesn't say Amazon.com. There's a whole bunch of other code that's telling Amazon you came from my site. And when you buy any stuff during this shopping session, I get 7% cut. So you don't have to donate. There's no Patreon. There's no e-begging. Uh, you're just, you're gonna, all you got to do is just a behavioral change. So instead of going straight to Amazon.com or having it on your on your quick link or your link tabs or your bookmarks, make sure it's mine. Don't don't just go to Amazon.com. Go to my site first, CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com. Click on it. Do your Amazon shopping there. I get a 7% cut. You don't pay any extra. And with all that money you save from taking my online classes at the cheapest there is, not only do you get a great class, you get to buy all your stuff on Amazon and you keep the old captain here on the interwebs away from banking. Nair Air, I got to go through Wyoming. I'm half tempted to go look some of those old people up. I'm really, I got to, let me explain something about banking. A lot of you bankers are going to explain this. This is going to sound stupid, but let me, let me explain it. Um, it just, just a little bit of a, you know, because banking is a business. It is a viable business if, if you make it. And, um, a lot of people think, oh, it's just bankers taking money and they run off and they buy yachts. It's like, no, that's what Bill Burr thinks. That's, <laughs> uh, But one of the things that you do in order to, in theory, make sure that you get your money back, and it's not your money, it's the shareholder's money, which is guaranteed by the taxpayer. One of the things you do to make sure you get your money back is you collect collateral. Now, in commercial lending... Um, 
you could take different assets, like you could take the machinery and the equipment, you could take the factory. Uh, you have the business owner pledge different bits and pieces of collateral. Now, following, I, I must have talked about it before, maybe I wrote about No, I wrote about it in an article called Never Build a Tiger Tank Company. And the whole point of that article was that the more moving pieces to a machinery or a machine or a company or, or even your life, the more moving pieces you have, the more things that can go wrong with it, the more things that can break. And again, following the KISS principle, uh, I try to minimize my life, not just from a financially minimalism type of perspective, but not take on too many hobbies. I never got a dog. Um, just I always ask, how much time is this going to take? I must have talked about this in a podcast previously before. So I remember, I won't mention the branch, but it was in Wyoming, uh, doing the underwriting, and I had programmed a model, and the model could handle, I think it was six or maybe ten pieces of collateral, because sometimes the borrower is an idiot and will say, I need $50,000. And what every banker should say at that time is, are you sure you need $50,000? And what the banker should do is understand his client or her client and do a full financial analysis and say, I think you might need this as well or this as well. So in, in other words, instead of underwriting the loan and analyzing the loan three or four times for three separate loans, you find out what their financing needs are up front. You figure out they need one, two, three, maybe even four loan products, four different types of loans. You analyze their company once, you do the underwriting once, you get all the approvals done once, boom, you're done. Not No, not this company. But again, why, why do we have to go through the analytical process four times for four separate loans? Let's do four loans based on one analytical process. Again, simplifying the machine by a factor of 400%. So I had this, to analyze these financial statements and, you know, throw in other stuff to calculate things like debt to, uh, uh, debt to income and uh, liabilities to assets and all that other stuff. I had some that were, it would account for multiple pieces of collateral because sometimes you would put one or two pieces of collateral up for each loan. Or if you had multiple loans, you would have sometimes up to 10 pieces of collateral. Enter in Banker B. We'll just call it Banker B. Banker B comes to me with one loan. And this business, if you could call it that, is so craptastically managed that for one loan, they offered 16 pieces of collateral. 16! And we're not talking like 16 cars or... 16 pieces of heavy-duty machinery. We're talking 16, like, one or two really good pieces, you know, like property, plant, and equipment, and maybe a vehicle. And then the rest was, like, piddly crap little stuff, like computers, furniture, the mother-in-law's truck, all this crap. Now, what you don't know about collateral is it's called, you have to call, it's got to be perfected. And what that means is you got to make sure that there aren't any liens or, or loans or mortgages or notes or any other kind of liability held against it first. Like a house has a mortgage, and then a person can take out a second mortgage on the house, 
And the reason they call it a second mortgage is not just because it's a second mortgage, but because whoever has that mortgage is in second position to the first mortgage. And um, <clears throat> what, uh, in order to, quote, perfect this collateral, you have to analyze and find out, are there any people ahead of you that have a right that, that, that also claim it as collateral? Basically, that's what it boils down to. So this crappy loan, if I remember, it was only like a $100,000 loan. And we're charging, ooh, 5%. So we're going to make $5,000 a year, maybe, on this loan. And I had to spend at least $2,000 worth of my time perfecting that damn collateral. Because you got to research, you got to look up these things called UCCs. You got to find out, you got to go and get serial numbers, you got to get VIN numbers for the vehicles, you got to look up deeds, you got to go to the title company. So this takes time. And so I remember, uh, maybe I made the, the commentary that if anyone comes in with another loan that has more than a dozen pieces of collateral per loan, I'm going to drag them out in the street and shoot them. That might have upset some people. That might have that might have irked some people. But honest to God, it just you you wonder, you know. Again, guys, these people in Wall Street and finance and banking, they're not smart. They're not smart. It is the biggest... It's like girls in high school. They're the biggest, fakest frauds. It's all show. It's all plastic. If you just push them, the house of cards comes falling down. These people are not smart. They're not intelligent. And they're all egos. So if you if you kind of... Now, maybe I could have been a bit more tactful. But by that time, I had zero Fs to give. But if, if you can't even say, look, on a $100,000 loan, we shouldn't have 14 or 15 or 16 or 18 pieces of collateral. We're not profitable. The overhead in just generating this loan is going to make it not profitable. And the loan has to last at least five years in order for us to get all the money that we're going to spend analyzing this. Oh, no. They don't. Anyway. <coughs> Oh, telling you more stories from the adventures of Cappy. Tucumcari, New Mexico. Atham, look it up. It is in the north, I think the west, no, east, northeast part of New Mexico. I have my headphones on. I've, I've learned to keep my headphones on because um, people, especially in Vegas, People like begging panhandlers, stuff like that. See, if you have your headphones on, they, they see that you have headphones on, big ones. And then they're like, oh, maybe you can't hear me. And then usually they leave you alone. So I get out of the old RV at this wayside over by Tucumcari. This is New Mexico, understand. This is one of the western, southwest. Look it up on a map if you don't know where it is. I got my headphones on and I'm walking. And then this... Uh, black, white, Hispanic uh, mix gentleman younger guy starts waving I can hear him say excuse me sir, excuse me sir now when someone calls you sir that means they're trying to scam you that means they're, they're, they're lying through their teeth they they, uh, they got a car that's better than yours right around the lot they're panhandling or they're a true druggie and they need their next fix be it booze or heroin or meth and they're going to treat you, they're going to call you sir now. And I, I don't trust anyone that calls me sir. 
My friends don't call me sir. My girlfriend doesn't call me sir. Even Marcy from Peanuts doesn't call me sir. And when the day people start calling me sir, you know, and I know for a fact, they want something out of me. And it's not going to be mutually beneficial. It is going to be a 100% charity case where you're not going to get your money back. So I'll admit, I was immediate, my brain immediately went to prejudging. I'm like, okay, you're, uh, you're this uh, minority saying sir. But the sir is what made me immediately default. I'd say it's 80% the surring and then the uh, racial makeup not fitting into northern New Mexico. But and he kept hounding me, and, and, and I'm, I'm like, I, soon enough, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to take my headphones off. So I removed my headphones. I'm like, oh, what? He's like, how do I get to Illinois? <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, Illinois, where is it from here? And then I start looking at him like, okay, wait a minute. He's got okay clothes on. He doesn't look like that disheveled piece of crap, you know, kind of Seattle hipster, rich white kids, but they're going to be cool over in Pioneer Square with dreadlocks. And I'm like, what do you mean? Where where is Illinois? Illinois is like east of here. He's like, east? I'm like, yeah. He's like, on Highway 40? I'm like, well, yeah, you can you could get there, but you're going to have to head up north a little bit more. You, you're never going to have to maybe get to I-80. And he's like, okay, but it's east. If I head east on I-40, I'll get to Illinois. I'm like, yeah, I think you will. Like I said, you may have to head up north. And he's like, okay, thanks a lot. And then he turns around and walk away. And I'm thinking like, it just a lot of questions running. Because then I, I, had, I really had to pee. And it was more important than I pee than I talked to this guy and make sure he got home at that moment in time. And so I'm as I'm peeing, I, I'm thinking like, how do you how do you not know where Illinois is? <laughs> how in today's world, this guy's a, a millennial, maybe he's maybe a little bit older than millennial, how at your age do you not know how to look something up on the phone? And even if you are this let's say you're the most incompetent millennial that ever millennialed. You can't even use your smartphone or you don't have your smartphone. You should be able to grab a map. You should be able to know, yeah, I, I, the, the, there's a map and, and oh, here's the United States and I'm in New Mexico and uh, that's this kind of boxy looking, one of the boxy looking states on the bottom left. Let's just say he does, well, I guess he knew where East was. I hope he knew where East was. And, uh, and Illinois is one of those weirder looking states but it's, it's attached to Lake Michigan. And then you just kind of look, and then there's these lines that go in between them, and those are roads, and usually those roads have numbers, and then you would use this, quote, map, lasers, and you would follow the lines home. And then I, I was like, okay, well, I, I finish up, and I'm like, well, I better kind of make sure this guy... Because Lord knows why he doesn't know where he is. And I'm thinking, he, he can't be in that good of a situation if he doesn't know where Illinois is. <laughs> then I start thinking, it's got to be worse than that. Because how the hell do you end up in New Mexico and not know how to get back home? Like, even when you were a kid, like, let's say you didn't know north, east, south, and west. You knew the route. You know, three-year-old, four-year-old kid. You knew the route. Like, oh, mom turns here. We turn by the farm. We hang a left at the McDonald's, and, and then we go past the gas station. Our house is on the right. You didn't maybe even know what right was, but you knew it was on that side. Then maybe you're a little bit older, 
Maybe you go into Boy Scouts, you know, okay, sun sets in the west. Uh, you learn a little bit about the highway system. They're numbered progressively, so the the further south you are, the east-west um, highways are, are even-numbered, and the lower the further south they are, the lower numbered they are. Highway 8 being the lowest and the southernmost. Highway 10, then what, 20, 30, 40, and then all the way up in the Twin Cities is 94. Then the north-south ones, those go from the west at the lowest to the highest in the east, and they are uh, odd-numbered ones. They're odd-numbered. And, uh, and, but you, you, you say, oh yeah, I can look at this map and I generally know which way to go. And I also remember leaving Illinois to go, what, Nebraska, Kansas. If you're dropping south, you got to drop south. Oklahoma, you're at least three states over. <laughs> Wait, Iowa. You got you to go Iowa. Yeah, because or Missouri, you, you, you did either Iowa or Missouri, Kansas or Nebraska, and then you either had to poke through Colorado or Oklahoma or Texas. You had to go through at least three states to get there. I don't know. Maybe it was just like, I, I often heard, was it Marcus telling me this? Maybe it wasn't Marcus. Marcus, let me know if it was you telling me this. Somebody was telling me this about women in Southside Chicago is women, single moms, who lived six blocks in from Lake Michigan and had never been to the lake. And I, it, whether it was Marcus, whoever was telling me, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, there are people who live in the Southside Chicago and they have never been to Lake Michigan. I'm like, how? That's impossible. Lake Michigan is right there. How can you not see? How, how do you? And he's like, nope, they have never been there. They just stay on their block. They, they maybe walk down at the 7-Eleven, they go to the, the Quickie Mart or wherever it is, um, they go to their friends who are down the road, or maybe they take the L. I'm thinking like, well, even the L, you see it. You can see the lake from the L at times, but they've never actually been to the lake. So I'm wondering if that's what happened to this poor guy. He's from Chicago. He didn't seem, well, I guess he did seem that out of water, fish out of water, if you didn't know which way east was, and you didn't know that to get to Illinois from New Mexico, you had to go east. I'm wondering if the poor guy flew out to, you know, Albuquerque or L.A. or whatever. It was slowly... Look, let's put it this way. At least he knew he couldn't go any further west. Once you get to the Pacific, he couldn't go any further west, so so it was only east from there. But then I, I was kind of going back out to look for him, and I think I saw his car go by because I, I didn't see him no more, but he, he was heading east. So I hope he made it. Well, he's, he's still got a ways to go. But honest to God, that was... <laughs> like, yeah, you got to go east. Yeah, Illinois is east of New Mexico. Yeah, by a ways. Yeah, like by at least 700 miles. Probably a 1,000. Somebody find that cat. I don't know. I don't know if my net casts that wide. But if somebody knows this guy I'm talking about, honest to God, I want to know his story. I want to know how the hell that poor guy ended up in New Mexico um, not knowing if Illinois was east. (laughs) How lost did you have to be? He's not even at the right latitude. If he went straight east, what do you hit? Go into Texas, and 
then Oklahoma drops down. And Oklahoma's right on the river there. And then you go into Tennessee. Yeah, so he's too far south. He's gotta he's gotta shoot north. Unless he's living in Mount Vernon. Now anyway, so we're driving back, gotta get this thing to Florida. My goal tonight, um, gonna go through Dallas, Texas. I'm kind of hoping to see Silvio Canto. Canto talk. You can find him on Blog Talk Radio. Although, you know, he's an elderly gentleman. He's like 50-something now. And uh, we it's rare our, our paths cross. I always, I, I know I'm the one that does all the traveling. And uh, you kind of, I've, I've gone through all these towns where it's like, oh, yeah, this person lives here. Like Siegelman. There was this listener I have in Siegelman, but it was 4 a.m. when I was driving through it the last time. Arizona. And I, I probably ain't up. Some of these people have died. I know a couple people have died. And you, you're kind of like, oh yeah, there's that guy I had coffee. Oh, there was this girl I met. And, and oh yeah, we had we had an omelet. And oh, well, they're probably asleep. Oh, you're on a rush again. It's, same thing with Silvio. It's going to be about midnight. And you know these old Cubanos. Hey, that that late night we start dancing at a that's all BS. Once they hit 30 and they have 13 little kids, that they're in bed. Those Latinos, don't let them fool you. No, I'm kidding. I, uh, he's just an elderly gentleman. I don't want to wake him up at, at midnight. Although he said he might come out. So actually, I should probably call him. What time is it? Let's take a look here. Never record a podcast and look at your cell phone. 10.51? Maybe. How far is Fort Worth? Never podcast... While driving, while also looking up how far it is to Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas. Don't know the rest of it. Well, come on. How far does it take to get there? You pulled it up. Oh, I don't have that great a reception. The only reason I know that is my mom used to watch that in the 80s. All this crap that your parents told you. Oh, wow. I'm still a ways out. Oh, we're a ways out. You know what, I'll have to text Sylvia. I think I'll text them. I know it's going to be more like one. The kids, when you were a kid, you got no context. Let me explain to you. So, my mom, and this isn't just my mom. This isn't the pick on her. This is, this. I think, every mom in the world. And this actually goes back to the 70s and the 80s, even the 90s, because it's before cable. And if you weren't rich, you know, we didn't have cable. Uh, the, the options were much more limited on the television. So, what would happen is celebrations, contests, annual competitions, annual um, award shows, you'd watch them because, well, one, there really wasn't much else on on television. Two, that's what your mom said to watch. Your dad said, oh, wow. We got and then three, no one really knew any of they, you know, They were younger too. You think back when you were a a three or four or five year old little tyke, your parents weren't much, they weren't 30. 
So they were just as dumb as the mod. Well, maybe not that dumb. No one's as dumb as the modern day twenty-something millennials on average. Let's let's not go that far. But it's not until you're thirty or forty do you realize, yeah, TV is BS. Like when you were a kid, especially in the eighties, all you wanted to do was watch TV. And your parents, I never understood why they say, "Oh, no, I rot your brain. I rot your brain. Why are you watching TV?" You know, like I don't care. I love it. I want to watch TV. Here's cartoons. I don't know. Will Pac-Man make it? Will He-Man beat Skeletor? I wonder if people will die in G.I. Joe this time. Oh, no, there goes the parachute. It's <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the, so we, she, oh, wow, you know, the Miss America pageant was on. And, and the Grammys were on. And the Oscars were on. And you didn't know any better, so like church, you, you showed up. And you were thinking, like, this is very important. This is something to do. And what you couldn't reconcile in your little kid brain was this is the most important thing ever. Oh, here comes uh, uh, Miss Rhode Island, and she's going to fart out the star-spangled banner. That's her trick. That's her trade. And, uh, oh, here comes the, here's the, the Oscars. Uh, the Oscar for uh, best, jan- best Assistant Reserve Thursday afternoon janitor who's a transgender goes to... And then they give this speech and you're falling asleep. You never understood, well, why, why is this? Why do I have to watch this? Why is this important? And after a while, then you realize, no, it is better I go out and play. But then the weird thing is, the parents are like, oh, you can't watch garbage. That's all garbage. But then they watch garbage. And my mom would always watch Dallas. She would, I don't think she watched Dynasty. Oh, she had to tune into Dallas, though. Oh, they had Dallas, that was the big thing. So there I am. I'm like a kid. I have no bleeping clue what's going on. I'm seven. I don't know what oil is. I don't know what, what JR's trying to do. I, I don't I don't understand the sabotage and the subterfuge and the and the who's banging who and I'm sure there are people having sex. I didn't pick up on it. But I thought it was oh boy, Dallas must be really important. Cheers was another one like that too. Oh boy, cheers. That that's a really important show. You have to watch Cheers. When you're older, you're going to appreciate Cheers. That one lasted long enough that, yeah, we were adults when they finally canceled it. It's like, it's just a sitcom. Long-living and very funny one, but it's just a sitcom. It was it was the baby boomer Seinfeld, I understand. But it throws you for a loop, because then you, you, you're completely, you have no context. There's no elderly gentleman or woman explaining why certain shows are good and why certain shows are slot. Like right now, I cannot, I just, I can't, I get angry. My blood pressure gets up when I, when I see what new shows are on. Hey, zany things happen with Annex and crap as Tabitha meets Tiffany and Tabitha and Tiffany, hey! I mean, it, it's so apparent now. But when you were a kid, you're like, every show. I remember we watched The Golden Girls. What is it? What is it? What a six or seven-year-old child? What's a six-year-old boy watching Golden Girls for? Three's Company? Okay, that's supposed to be, we're supposed to watch this? No one ever said, look. And and let's put it, let's be honest. The adults were hypocrites, and they they didn't know what was good for little boys and girls. I'm not talking like like what was healthy for them but what kids enjoyed kids enjoyed the hell out of Knight Rider Dukes of Hazard, 
Um, MacGyver. Uh, Family Ties is pretty good. This is 80s. I know, I know if you're Beckloff's age, you know, you, you just started watching TV. You, you just, your balls just dropped. Your testes dropped. You grow your first pubes. And so you have probably different memories as a child. As a, but those, those are the shows that were good for kids. And cartoons, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Voltron. Oh, man, Voltron. That was, that was a great show. Robotech, if, if it showed in your, in your, um, in your market. But that was the good stuff. That you actually really thoroughly enjoyed. But then the parents, they didn't understand it. So they're like, oh, no, that's crap. So since they didn't understand it, they dismissed it as crap. And, and oh, it's brain rot. But what you didn't like, because you didn't understand it, and who, what seven-year-old kid is going to like Dallas or Three's Company or the Oscars, that, that's just as much bunk and hokum and garbage as anything else. But it's just because, oh, the parents are watching it, so it must be good. And then, you know, you're a kid. You don't know any better. They're older than me. They must know. <laughs> They're so wise. They told me to major in anything in college. Any degree was a good degree. Socialism is great. And that we should watch Dallas Dynasty. And what's the... What was the other one? There's uh, They had their daytime soap operas, and I knew that was garbage. My babysitter would watch those. Oh, I hated those. Those are just painful. I knew there was evil there. My brain was evolved enough to sense evil. I felt sick watching them like I I was wasting my time. But there was Dallas. There was Dynasty. And the other night, I think, was it Santa Barbara? Was that the other one? And I think my mom only watched one, maybe two of the three. And I remember having, I'm pretty sure I had a conversation, I say... Well, why don't you watch this one? So, oh, that one's no good. <laughs> like it matters. Like, yeah, there's there's a difference between Knott's Landing. That's what it was. It was Knott's Landing. Never mind. Or was there one called Santa Barbara? Whatever. Of the foot, like like there was. Oh yeah, yo, Knott's Landing is really good. But the other three, they're all piss. <laughs> oh. Anyway, all right. Well, listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna close it up here uh, because Fort Worth, 140 miles. Oh yeah, I gotta. I better text Sylvia Lem though. It's gonna be 1 a.m. He'll he'll get to sleep. I wish I wish you guys not just Sylvia, but I wish you guys would come fly out sometime. You guys are all empty nesters for crying out loud. You don't you, you ain't got no kids. Come visit me. All right, that's all we got. Uh, oh, hang on. And we'll see you guys later. Toodles.